0: Good morning. Good morning. Appreciate Jared's prayer. I do want to uh, remind you, just like he did in his prayer, every day is a day to serve Jesus. Uh, I like this sort of like an agenda. We have agendas at camp. Like, what are we going to do first? And you all probably think we're going to the canteen or we're going to go swimming or we're going to go to the lake. I like this agenda. Here's God's agenda for your day. Hmm. wonder what he's got planned. It says to make you more like Jesus. How's he going to do that? God decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. That's Romans eight twenty nine. So do you see what God's doing? He is shaping you. I don't know what he's going to do today, but he's going to shape you somehow along the same lines as the life of his son. How can we be like Jesus? Well, Jesus felt no guilt. He never did say, I feel guilty about what I did this morning. Jesus felt no guilt. God wants you to feel no guilt. Jesus had no bad habits. God wants you to do away with yours. Jesus faced fears with courage. God wants you to do the same. Jesus knew the difference between right and wrong. God wants you to know the same. Jesus served others and gave his life for the lost. We can do likewise. And finally, Jesus dealt with anxiety about death. You can do that too. You don't have to dread the future. God's desire, his plan, his ultimate goal is to make you into the image of his son, Jesus. So I'm supposed to look like Jesus. Yeah. I read a little bit of a, a devotion the other day, and I thought that was um, its so cool. It's, I don't know that I've ever heard it said this way before. It said, three reasons you need Jesus. This is so neat. It says, why you need Jesus? Jesus loves you. He des- desires to have a relationship with you and to give you a life full of joy and purpose. Why do you need him? Three things. Because you have a past. Everybody in here has a past. Because you have a past. He says, you can't go back there, but Jesus can The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So He can go into your past. He can walk into the places of sin and failure in our past. Wipe the slate clean. That's called justification. It's as though you never sinned. It's called it just as if I never sinned. So He cleanses your past, gives you a new beginning. Second, because you need a friend. Jesus knows the worst about you and loves you anyway. He sees you not as you are, but what you will be. He loves you just the way you are, but He loves you too much to leave you that way, so He wants to help you change. You need a friend. What a friend we got. He helps you get through things. And finally, number three, because He holds the future. So because you have a past, because you need a friend, and finally because He holds the future, who else are you going to trust in your future? In His hands, you're safe and secure. Today, tomorrow, and for all eternity. The Word says, for I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah, number 29, 11. For I know the plans I have you, plans for good, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. So Jesus has given us an agenda for the day. He says, I know your past, I know your present, I know your future. My agenda, I want to make you more like Jesus. Would If he was here, he'd say, I want you to be more like me. Hope you're having a good time at camp. If I ask you what we did Monday night, would you remember back to that A little bit of review here? Review time, what was it? Some of y'all are good. Here you go. So Monday night it was this, a proof set of coins. That's the, the perfect set. Jesus was perfect. Since he was perfect, he's proved his love to us, and while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And finally, since he's done that, he lets a portion of his spirit fill us up. Now the Holy Spirit's in there. Again, think of a balloon like this. You can take a balloon and put a little air in It's barely there. And somebody else grabs it. Y'all ever seen those things, they make monkeys and dogs and everything else out of that? You ever try to blow one of those balloons up? I mean, maybe y'all are a lot better than me, but, you know, I just pull up, and the balloon's about this far. Yeah, it's like, has anybody got an you know, air hose from a garage? Because And then somebody that knows what they're doing goes, how do you do that? Just knows what he's doing. And so my life, I sometimes, about that much of the Holy Spirit. And I'm trying to run the show 95% of the time, let God do the other five. And Jesus comes in and goes, how'd you do that? And suddenly he's got me doing things. I didn't think I could do this. I remember when I first stood in front of a group about, mm, I don't know how long ago, stood up, a youth pastor said, I want you to speak for me tonight. I probably had an hour's worth of material that lasted about nine minutes. And after that, you know, after you shake to death and all that stuff, and it's like, you just want to sit down over there. And he got up and probably covered the rest of the time. Any of you ever sit up, do an oral book report, stuff like that? Some of you love it, others of you hate it. Some of you go, hey, doesn't bother me at all. Others of you would just, I'm going to pass out. I I taught at a Christian school, Roanoke Valley Christian Schools, from 81 to 91. We used to have chapel together, and I'm glad they don't do this anymore, but the junior high would meet with the senior high so we could have somebody 12 years old singing in front of somebody 18. You think they'd be nervous? Oh, yeah, terrified. So it's time for the 8th grade to have their chapel, or 7th grade I think it was. I was a seventh grade sponsor, so I got my guys ready. We go in there and practice in the chapel two or three times, but then on game day, so to speak, the whole auditorium is filled with everybody. This girl had never sang in front of anybody. She does, does great. If we could have just put up a shield, she'd have probably done fine. She was singing a song that went something like, "He spoke the words, and all the stars came into order." Great. She come out in front of them, and she went, started seeing everybody, and. He spoke right there on the stage. Oh, I felt so sorry for her. Like, you've just emptied lunch right there. We've got to get you off of here. Get her off. She was just terrified. She was so scared that she what? Threw up. Nervousness. And I'm thinking, wow, how'd you like to go through that? I don't do that anymore. I used to be nervous a little bit. You get used to it. So God has expanded me to work. Okay, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So you're not too scared. So maybe sitting in a doctor's office. (laughs) Then you remember a verse. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Okay, God, I'm gonna trust in you. I'm a little bit scared right now. I don't know what to well, I'm actually looking forward to going to the dentist. Hey, drill another one while you're at it. You know, how did you do that? How did you change from being scared It God overcomes you, he fills you, and you're walking in the Holy Spirit. Whole lot better to walk in the Spirit. So I want you to be that whoosh, let him fill you. Again, we empty ourselves, he fills us up. It's again like that raft in a pool. You know, the big thing that you lay on? Press all the air out. Pretend like that's you. We've got all, put it on there. Now let's let Jesus fill us up with the Holy Spirit. And you get people like like Peter who denied Jesus three times. 42 verses later, he stands and preaches a message that 3,000 people get saved. Doesn't sound like a quitter on that day. So you curse and say you don't even know God and over here you pray and God just does a supernatural thing. So I want you to be filled this week. I want you to be perfect in jesus i want you to prove to the world that you're his and i want that portion of the holy spirit to be more than just a little tiny i just want you to be a walking example of what jesus remember that's his agenda for us today we're to be more like him so what portion of the holy spirit do you have what portion of you does the holy spirit have like haven't quite got that area of johnny's life yet mary won't give me that area but every time i get a little bit more they become more like jesus that makes sense he picked some rough fishermen they'd probably cuss you out Tattoos on her arm, mother. I mean, they were rough guys. And he transformed them into a Bible study group. Pretty good goal. What portion of the Holy Spirit lives in you? And you said, Well, it's in me because I know I'm saved, but it's not a whole lot. Let it start controlling you. Let it have more territory. All right, next thing review time of Tuesday morning. Yesterday morning, we talked about spending time in the fiery furnace. Names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They would not bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn. They just said, Okay, it's our goal. Even when given a chance to deny God, they said, Nope, so that was my goal for you. Last thing here. How about last night? Who did we talk about? Who did we talk about? Daniel Daniel and his friends staying faithful. And here's what I want you to remember from last night. Not complaining, taking a stand, trusting God to work things out. They had a lot of chances to complain and gripe about stuff. They bypassed them all. But then they finally had a line that they would not cross and said, nope, can't eat that. That'll defile us and can't do that. Now, again, I'm not going to sit here and preach at you. I, I don't want that. I, if I didn't love young people, I wouldn't be here. If I didn't care about young people, I wouldn't teach school for 35 years. But on the same hand, if I love you, i got to tell you the truth. you got to develop your line that you won't cross. Now, I didn't say your line has to be exactly mine. God will help you find that line. For example, my line is, I'll give you one. Uh, I don't like R-rated movies. I just don't watch them. You so I watch them all the time. I'm going to let God convict you how you ever want. Just personally, for me, I don't like them. Why? You, you know how. It's usually violence or sex or something that gained that R rating. So I, personally, I'm just convicted. I'll stay away from those. PG-13 actually gets a little questionable at times, but okay, there's a line. Well, see, if someone says, would you go to this? I just don't really feel comfortable. So see, there's a line that I've drawn that I don't like to cross. Other people say, well, mine, uh, I don't really have a line. So you watch anything. Yep. Great. Uh, what do you like to eat? Anything. Drink? Anything. Okay. Where is your line? I mean, you got to have a line somewhere. Now, I mean, I think some people, the line is in a, these people over here, line's really tight. These people over here really loose. You don't even tell that they've got a line. So, I mean, if somebody said, can you go do this? And you say, let me check with mom and dad. Anybody ever said that for at least once a you know, Let me ask mom and dad. Can I convict you a little bit? And, I mean, that's great. I'm glad you do that. I want you to ask somebody else. Yeah. Can I tell you this? Wait, just let me check with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you do? He said no. Thanks. Wow. What's well, called prayer. Jesus, let me just, Lord, I, what do you want me to do? Yeah, I just don't have peace. About it. I'm sorry. I might say no. The Holy Spirit says no. Holy Spirit, is that okay? Good? Yep, we're good. Holy Spirit says yep. Let me check with the Holy Spirit real quick. I just don't know if we check the Holy Spirit as much as we should. So, God, what do you want me to do right here? And that's cool. Let me go ask Mom and Dad. Let me go ask. So, talk to the Lord often. If I could give you one more example today of uh, just a simple story. It's in the Old Testament. I'll talk in the New Testament tonight. But the old, How many people have ever uh, heard of this man who walked into heaven in a fiery chariot? I, I mentioned him the other day. What's his name? Elijah. Elijah. Now, Elijah was replaced by Elisha, and Elisha was the guy that said... He's going to have a double portion. But I like, I don't have an exciting story like kidnapped. I don't know, maybe we do. Remember what these, Daniel and his good friends were kidnapped? They went to a great place, at least it turned out to be. After a while, they'd been there. But they worked for somebody crazy. But they never complained, never fussed. It's just like you. I got a seventh grade teacher. I think she's a psycho. Well, just remember, hang in there. Be kind. Be a faithful witness. And maybe things will get different. In other words, we can't have it like we want it all the time. But be found faithful. Well, today I'm going to have this sort of Robert Louis Stevenson. This is a great story. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. Elijah, who is about to be replaced with Elisha, he's sort of like the, I think he deals just like Daniel did in the fact that he's not kidnapped, but he's sort of, he has to live in a place he didn't really want to. Why? There's a drought going on. He basically lives out next to a brook. He gets such things as water from a rainstorm. Ravens feed him. A little bit of a different kind of a deal. He's not kidnapped, but again, his lifestyle's a little different. And then he goes to a place, not a treasure island, but he lives in a different kinds of place. And then finally, it's not a crazy man called Nebuchadnezzar. It's a crazy man called King Ahab. King Ahab's he won about three battles. In every battle he won, he lost a son. That's how scary this guy is. If somebody would have come up and said, this is going to cost you your son, well, I'll show you. Find 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter. Now, if you've got 17, go back to the last verse of 16. Let me show you what kind of crazy king. Now, Daniel had to put up with Nebuchadnezzar. Look who Elijah's Elijah's putting up with. 1 Kings chapter 16, just that last verse, 34. In Ahab's time... Eel of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abimram. He set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Serub. In accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. So it's really Ahab almost. Whether it's his son or not, he he condones the fact that it doesn't matter if you got to pay a price. He later killed Naboth or had him killed uh, because he wouldn't give him a vineyard. So this is a wicked man. So now you know who Elijah's dealing with. Elijah. We got 1 Kings. Read with me in the first couple of verses of 1 Kings. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, he's standing up to this guy, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the good in the next few years except at my word. What's the name of this theme that we're having this week? Living what? Right, it is living proof. If somebody came up to you and said, I can dunk a basketball, what's the next words out of your mouth probably? Prove. Do it. Prove it. Well, I don't really want to. Then you can't, can you? So prove it. Back your words up with your action. So Elijah comes up and in a roundabout way. If I could have heaven, I need to talk to you, I'm a man of God. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I really, through God's power, we control things. Oh, is that, yeah. Prove it. Okay, it won't rain for the next few years. Oh, is that supposed to scare me? Let it do whatever it wants to, but it won't rain. Living proof. I'm going to prove to you God is a man. God is a God that controls things. It won't rain. Okay. King Ahab probably just like, big deal. Well, guess what? It doesn't. It doesn't rain for a few years. God is living proof. There is a God. He's going to prove it to you right here in your face, King Ahab. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Leave here, turn eastward, hide. And he tells him we're... You can just read those next few verses. He drinks from a brook. He orders the ravens to feed him. You think you got an odd life. He's drinking water from a brook and birds are dropping in the food every day. Different kind of lifestyle. He's not on Treasure Island like Robert Louis Stevenson. He's just like, here comes a bird, here comes breakfast. Okay, thanks. What was that? Bread? I'm and you had it in your mouth? Ew. Anyway, whatever it does, he's feeding him. So he did what the Lord told him. I love that verse. So he elijah's obedient he went to wherever he told him the ravens brought him food and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook Does anybody else find that sort of crazy and by the way did he store food up no What's matthew verse say give us lord our what daily bread bread. he didn't say lord can i have enough for the weekend no i'll drop you some food look what the birds are doing they fly over him just like bomber pilots dropping bread and meat in the morning Bread and meat in the evening. What about the water? There it comes off. Can I have some tea? Nope. Water coming off. I will give you something to drink. Didn't say I'd give you a shake from Chick-fil-A. I just said I'll give you something to drink. There's the water. Don't complain. Yes, sir. So don't complain. Okay, he goes and meets a widow. The brook dries up. There's been no rain in the land. That's what he said. So he went to Zarephath, and he met a widow there, and he said uh, Can I have something to eat? And she says, well, I'm glad you showed up. I was just getting ready to fix my son and I some last meal here. We're going to eat this and die. Wow, sounds like a good afternoon. What's your agenda? Remember what our agenda is to be more like Jesus? What's this woman's agenda? Very sad. This is our last meal. Well, I showed up just in time then. Before you fix that meal for your son and I, I want you to, your son and you fix it for me instead because I'm going to honor God. You want me to give you our last meal you got to trust me. If you do that, I promise, God will take care of you. Okay. Trust. She steps out. Anybody remember the Indiana Jones movie? Remember that? He's sitting there at that bridge that you can't see. And he empties himself and goes, there is a bridge there. And then it shows you the other angle of where you didn't see it until you stepped. That's called faith. This widow probably goes in and tells her son, Honey, I told you we'd fix a little pat of cake here and give you... I'm going to give that to someone else. What, Mom? Tears run down his face. You're, you're just, we're, we're starving to death. Okay, so she fixes it up, goes in there and gives it to Elijah. And here's what Elijah does in return. Verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home, do as you've said. First make a small cake of bread for me, and what you have, bring it into me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. He's going to take care of you until the rain comes by. Now, it's very, very important that you didn't miss that right there. Sometimes I need stuff, and God says, I'm going to take care of you until you can do it on your own sounds fair so he says I'm gonna take care of you until the droughts over and then you can go back to living normally same thing with the manna it says when they crossed into Jordan remember Joshua took over from Moses they crossed into Jordan the manna stopped God says I'll take care of you hey you're on your own now the same thing here don't be afraid fix me something to eat so guess what she went away did as Elijah told her so there was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family for the jar of flour was not used up, the jug of oil did not run dry, and keeping with the word of the Lord, everything was great. Now, I want to give you something to think about right here. Sometimes your life, my life, everything's just going along smooth, and then all at once, for some, bow, like that, and, and it just shocks you to something. Why, God, did you give me a kidney stone? I don't understand that. Why do you take my cat from my house? Why do you do it? And God says, because it. maybe you're getting so you're just not trusting me as much as I'd like. Or maybe I'm grooming you to be something else. Maybe I'm maturing you. Maybe I'm emptying that you out and filling you with the Holy Spirit more. So everything's going along great, and guess what? Her son dies. I guarantee you this widow probably went out there and just yelled, why, it lasted 30 seconds. What are you doing? Why? Falls to the ground, covers your face. I'm taking care of your servant. I've even got it. I sent him a room upstairs. He stays here. When he comes through, it's like, let me stay at your house. You know, you got relatives like that. If you showed up at their house, what are y'all doing? Hey, just thought we'd come by and see you. I thought y'all lived in Kentucky. Well, we're here now. Great. Come on, we'll put you upstairs. Welcome in, your family. Well, he just shows up at the house, going up to my room. Okay, see you later. He goes up to his room and stays. So he's got him a little room there. Woman takes care of him, feeds him, and God kills her son. What kind of deal is that? No, he's not. God's got a plan, uh, maybe it's to stretch her faith. But I want you to catch a glimpse of Elijah right here. I'm just trying to set you up the tone. Elijah is a mighty man of God. It will not rain. It doesn't. Feed me some food. Let the ravens feed me, and now this woman's feed me. So see, Elijah's being stretched. God says, be bold. It will not rain. It doesn't. I'll let the ravens feed you. I'll let a widow feed you. And everything's going along good. Elijah's probably having his devotions every day. He's becoming more like God and then all at once this happens. It's it's going to stretch him. He's going to have to use more faith than he probably ever has in his life. Watch what he has to do. Sometime later, the woman, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse, and finally he stopped breathing. We would call that what? If you stop breathing, yeah, you're dead. I don't know why. That, he stopped breathing. You're dead. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? See, that's us. What are you doing? I sent my son to die on a cross and pay for your sins. That's what I'm doing. Well, you sure don't look like it. Thanks for the trust. You just keep hanging on. I know what's best. For my plans are not to harm you. My plans are good plans. You hang on. We don't like that, though. We don't like it if we don't understand. What are you doing? Well, here's what this woman's about to learn. Why did, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? In other words, I've done things in the past. What did I read you out of this little devotion just a second ago? Three little things. It says, three reasons why you need Jesus. Number one, because you have a what? Past. That still haunts some of you. Oh, I know what I did last year. I thought God forgave you that Yeah, but I, you're worse than God. This woman, oh, My past. That's why you kill my son. That's not mm, you're wrong, as usual. Here's what? Why did you what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. Love this. He took him from her arms. Y'all missed that right there if you're not paying attention. Took him from her arms. Her son's dead, and she's sitting there going like this, rocking him. What a precious time when we think, "Wow, we missed that!" Yeah, she's just hanging on. He says, "Let me have him." No, you gotta let me have him. He cradles this boy, takes her out, and look where he goes. "Give me your son," Elijah said. He took him from her arms, carried him up to the upper room where he was staying, laid him carefully on the bed. Whew, then he cried out to the Lord. Now, I'll give you a little secret. You know, I want to be strong for my wife. i will strong for my son. i will strong for my church. But occasionally, I'll get along with God. I remember we used to stand out in front of Life Point. There'd be six people in there. My, I'd be out there trying to greet people. It didn't take too long. Parking lot was never jam-packed. My wife would come out and say, Are you sure God's called you to do this? I'd say, Absolutely. God wants us to plant this church. we just got to be faithful. My wife would go back in. I'd turn around. God, are you sure you called me to do this? See, then I'll talk to him. God, we got six people in there, and four of them are my family. Who's running this? You are. Then you hang on. Two years later, we've got 40 people, and we've baptized 20. What if I would have quit back then when it was only three or four? So God says, test me. Try me. I'll show you what. Come on. Okay. So right here he is. He looks up and says, now, God, the widow's downstairs. She doesn't know, but I'm going to cry out to you. What, you. what are you doing? I want to see about how much faith you got. I want to see how hard you can pray. I want you to do this. The boy's laid out there, just like a corpse, funeral home. I want you to take his hands, and you go face to face, mouth to mouth. It'd be almost like blowing the life into somebody's mouth. I want you to just squeeze him. So I want you just to pray life back into him. Why? Okay. Whatever you say, God. Oh, Lord God, why have you brought tragedy? He cries out to the Lord. Why have you brought tragedy upon this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy. I can imagine that first time and he goes, Lord, nothing. (sighs) Face to face, nose to nose. And don't laugh at this because you would do the same thing. I mean, if this is your brother, sister, mom, if this is somebody you love, this is somebody your family you would be working really hard to bring life back into him. Like if my dad had a heart attack, he's in heaven now, but if my dad had a heart attack, it wouldn't do for me to try to give him a cardiac thump. They don't really do that anymore, but just, you know. Why would it not be good for me to do it? Because I'm so emotionally charged right now, what will I do? I'll break his ribs, yeah. Come on! See, I'm into that. The doctor goes, you need to get him out of here. We're good. We're good. We know how to operate. See, we're they're not emotionally charged right there. They're not going to hurt him. me. I'd probably break my dad's ribs. First hit, <laughs> oh, and didn't even hit him in the face. I think I broke his jaw right there. Let's back it up a little bit. Edgar, you need to go out of here. Andy was, when Andy was a little boy, he had a tooth need to be pulled out. I said, I'll hold him. And the dentist, I knew the dentist. He would let us even come in there after hours. He was just a friend. But he said, you need to go out. And I, he said, no, you need to go out there. I said, oh. Okay, I was like, i want to help. We don't need you in here. That was a polite way of saying you're in the way. He goes out. He comes out there a few minutes later, and I says, everything all right? He's got right here goes as if there's the tooth. Yeah, it's, it's out, and he didn't even know I pulled it. If you would have been in there, you'd have been in the way. Well, Elijah, he didn't want the mom to help. She's probably screaming and hollering. You pray. He goes up there, squeezes this boy second time. Third time, Lord, she's depending on me. I'm depending on you. Look at verse 30. Look at verse 22. Oh Lord, let the boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry. There it is. And the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down from the room into the house, gave him back to the mother and said, "Look, your son is alive." And the woman said to Elijah, "Now I know Look at this. Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Let me see. Check these four things out right here, just on this story right here. Proof positive Elijah is... Who is he? He's a man of God. Now, we don't have to bring people back from the dead for that, but I'm just saying, if you have things occurring in your life, I haven't brought back anybody from the dead, but I have seen God do miracles. We need a a handicap ramp at our church plant. Uh, that would probably cost fifteen hundred dollars I just happened to see one of my older friends I hadn't seen him in probably 30 or 40 years grew up with him back in Giles where my hometown is I passed him one day spoke to him and he said I said uh, how you doing well he used to be in a construction business I'm in the paving business now Lucas paving and uh, if you ever need me let me know I'll help you out hey you're like you're an old friend and in the back of my mind I'm thinking well I wish I could count on you but I don't really have anything that paving needs you know because we were going to concrete a ramp in. After talking to a few inspectors, inspector says, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't want to concrete stuff in. I'd just soon build it up with asphalt do that. I called my friend. On a Monday, by Thursday, the job's done. He said, it might be a few weeks. He comes out there in three days, looks over it and says, we're going to get this done. Two days later, here's my handicap ramp built in, smooth as can be. He hadn't sent me a bill. I called him and he says, well, that's, that's, it's like, God bless, take care of yourself. That's $1,500. You can't, yeah, it's yours. You think God's, no, I haven't brought anybody back from a day, but so far we've got a $1,500 ramp free. we got people just come by and give us a refrigerator. i got a man that said, can I help put your floor down? That would cost probably $1,000 labor. We'll do it for you, free. I see God working all the time. So does that mean I'm a man of God? I hope so because I know I've got to set an example in front of a lot of others. Check out four points about Elijah to prove he's a man of God. He walks into a place and, well, Elijah said it wouldn't rain. It's not going to rain. Oh, yeah, who says? God says, I'm just a messenger. It won't rain. You're a liar. We'll see who's lying. doesn't rain for, how long, it done, how long did it not rain? Well, we're going to find out here in a minute. Elijah said it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain. Number two. Elijah takes care of a widow. Does that take a man of God? Well, it takes somebody sense enough to look at others. Elijah could have felt sorry for himself. He goes and says, I need to take care of you. Now, you need to show faith, too. P- fix me a little cake there, bread. And when she did, it was taken care of. Number three, Elijah heals a woman's son. That definitely showed that God's power was in there some way. And number four, Elijah proves he is a man of God by Living for God. Now, remember what I said. Everything was smooth up until that day, and the woman's life changed because her son died. Look at chapter 18. I just want to show you now that Elijah, he might very well take the hat off and go, oh, healed the boy, hang the hat on the wall. That was a big test for that woman. A little bit does he know, God says, I'm going to give you the biggest test of your life now. Well, I've just raised a boy from that. No, it's, your, your life's going to be on the line. I'm going to send you down in chapter 18 after a long time. In the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Go present yourself to Ahab. Ahab might have killed him on sight. Go present yourself to Ahab, and I'll send rain on the land. Elijah went down to present himself to Ahab. Now, the famine was severe in Samaria. The famine was severe in Samaria. That means people were probably dying from that. And Ahab had summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. By the way, Obadiah, I want you to read real carefully in this verse. Some of you may say, I'm the only Christian at my school. I just don't know how I can do that. Well, read. You'll get encouragement from verse 3. Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. We can still be faithful in spite of our surroundings. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. So he's a solid man of God himself, and he sort of like works right around Ahab. While Jezebel... Was killing off the Lord's prophets. He's pretty ugly and mean and cruel too. Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves. Fifty in each and had supplied them with food and water. Even in a drought, he's feeding people. What was that movie Schindler's List? Remember that? That the Germans really taking care of the Jews? He could have died doing that. Well, Obadiah would have died if Ahab would have heard this. You're, you're actually helping the enemy. Obadiah is a good, strong believer. He's taking care of other believers. Ahab sent word to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we'll not have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land they were to cover. Ahab going in one direction, Obadiah in another one. So as Obadiah was walking along, Elijah comes up and meets him. He's like, Elijah, where have you been? And Elijah said, I'm just walking around, having a great old day. Obadiah recognized him, bowed to the ground, said to Is it really you, my lord, Elijah? So see, he's a solid Christian. He's now now spotted the prophet that's in the land there. He said, yes, go tell your master Elijah is here. And Obadiah says this, what have I done wrong? I can't go back and tell him that I found you. I'm going to have to bring you with me because if I go back and say I spotted Elijah, he will kill me because he'll say, why didn't you bring him? Is that guy, you didn't let him go, did you? So here's what he finds. He gets Elijah Skip down to verse 15. Elijah said, As the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So he goes and sees Ahab. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when he saw Elijah, Ahab said this Boy, what gall that he has to say. Ahab's killing people, he's cruel to people, and he goes up and he calls Elijah a name. Look what he calls him. Verse 17. What's he calling? Is that you, you troublemaker? I'm a troublemaker. Yeah, you said it wouldn't rain. Everything's dying. Well, it's not raining so God can get your attention and make you quit being the mean, oh, ugly king that you are. And that wife of yours is killing people, so I'm a troublemaker. What did you come to see me today for? Elijah answers him. I'm not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your family have. You've abandoned the Lord's command, have followed the Baals. Now summon the people over all Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. The bottom line is this. It is time for this. A showdown between God and Baal. Oh, yeah, I can take care of the widow, I can take, but I'm going to take care of the king and the queen right here. I want you to summon right here. We're going to have a showdown. Either my God's God and your God's God, or we're going to find out whose God is the best. Remember living proof? i want to give you proof that my God is who he says he is. So we're going to have a showdown. When I was a little kid, they used to have this TV show called Gunsmoke. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Gunsmoke, it looked like it, James Arnest. And every show would start off with this, dun, 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 dun. dun boom, right there it is, high noon, right there on the main street. And then James Ernest with Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, would put his gun back. And that's how each, each week would start off that little theme song. Well, they're about to have Elijah step out noonday. Ahab, get on that side. You have the prophets of Baal. Who's going to be on your side? Me and my God. Is that it? That's it. Showdown time. This is a miracle. On Mount Carmel. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab, told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. He calls him a troublemaker, and he says, okay, showdown time. Elijah, verse 21, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? Don't be wishy-washy. I can say the same thing to you here at camp. When you leave camp this week, are you going to be a changed believer Going back being stronger, or are you going to be the same old oh, wishy? Well, I don't really have a line that I don't mind crawl I don't know, I just, I just go with the flow. He's fussing at people for doing that. Choose you this day whom you'll serve, Joshua told his people. Uh, really, Elijah's doing the same thing. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. And the people said nothing. Because they hadn't chosen which side they want to be on yet. Maybe they're convicted. Make up your mind is what he's saying. What do you want to do? Nobody said a word. Then Elijah said to him, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. That was really a lie. He's sort of feeling sorry for himself. Obadiah's doing a great job. I'm, only, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose for themselves. Let them cut them into pieces. Put it on the wool, set, but not set fire to it. Tomorrow we're going to have a big showdown. I will prepare the other bulls. We're going to do all this. And the next verse, in verse 24, people said, what you say is good. We're going to do it. Tomorrow's it. Show up at high noon. We're out there in the street. Verse 25, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls, prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, given to them, prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. What time is morning? Anybody want to guess? Six, if you want to call it that. So from six to noon, six hours, they call on Baal. No response. From morning till noon, no response. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah's probably just sitting over there waiting on his chance. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's in Perhaps he's sleeping, he's in deep thought, he's busy, he's traveling. Perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and they did something, verse 28. They did something besides shouting louder. You know, I've worked at a school before and they specifically wanted me to work with one young man. I don't know how much difference I made in his life, but actually he's heard me pray and I've talked to him about Jesus. But he was a cutter. Man, he had scars on both arms. He went through so many things. One week he thought he was going to be in a motorcycle gang. Next week he thought he was gay. Next week he wanted to fight anybody in the school. Next week he was just, he was very emotional. But I mean, both arms like that. These guys are cutters suddenly. We'll sacrifice. Jesus has already been my sacrifice. I don't have to cut my arms. Jesus already shed enough blood for everybody. But they thought, Baal, this is what? Blood's dripping off their arms. Probably they're shouting out to a God that doesn't even exist. Following something that's nothing's there. Oh, Baal, answer us, danced around. At noon, Elijah makes it worse. Go ahead, shout louder. So, at this, they shouted louder, slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom. This is what they normally thought they had to do. I wouldn't want to be in their church service until the blood flowed. Ugly scene. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for evening sacrifice. Still, no response. No one answered, no one paid attention. They've been at this from 6 in the morning till 6 in the evening. Nothing. Elijah sort of comes up and says, Are uh, oh, you all through? Good. Go get some water. It's a drought. Oh, this is water. It's precious. I want you to douse the wood for me. You want us to what? Pour the water. Soak it. Soak everything on this altar. He said, get water. Go ahead and get it. Ahab probably says, go ahead. Let's let him make a fool out of himself and his God. Let's let him do that. Go get the water. So here's what he said. Verse 30, Elijah said to the people, come here to me. They came to him. He repeated the, he repaired the altar of the Lord. Notice that when he had to repair it, that means it hadn't been used in a long time. Repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. That'd be like, let's come to the church and put the windows back in, the door back on, because y'all hadn't been to church in a long time. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes, descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel with the stones. He built an altar. He dug a trench around the large enough to hold two seeds of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, laid it on the wood for a sacrifice. Then he said to them, "Fill Fill four large jars with water. Pour it on the offering and on the wood. They did that. He said, Do it again. They did it. Do it a third time. They're probably thinking, I want that wood to be floating in water so that there will be nobody here that doubts God. Do it a third time. The water ran down into the altar, even filled the trench. So here it is, game time, high noon. Elijah stands, gets him a good breath. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant and have done all these things at your command." Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back. They call that revival. You're going to turn their hearts back to you. Then the fire of the Lord fell, burned up all the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And then Elijah commanded them, to seize the prophets of Baal. Now, remember what I started off saying. Elijah had went to Ahab and tell him it will not what rain. Got one last thing to remind you. You can just listen to me, or you can read it. Elijah has this great day of victory, and then he finally decides to do this. Remember when he started off saying it's not going to rain. Remember when he had to squeeze the boy just, oh, he's just praying so hard. Well, this one, for some reason, God just let him speak and it happened. He didn't have to keep doing things over and over again. It, but now, he is going to have to go right back to that squeezing the boy's hand kind of prayer. He's going to have to really pray hard because when he gets back through this, God's got one more lesson to teach him, and this is my last lesson for you. When I pray and something doesn't happen instantly, I can either give up or I can go back and pray again. I can really say, God, i got to spend more time in prayer because we really need this to happen. And, I, I mean, he's done that with a pocketbook, with my kitty cat, with my kidney stone. He just keeps teaching. He says, pray more than once or twice. Well, Elijah does this. He's going to test him. So I want to encourage you today, if you're praying about someone to get saved in your family, if you're praying and say, Lord, I struggle with this, but I'm praying. Don't give up. Don't pray. Watch Elijah. Watch his ultimate goal to God. He's not giving up. He's going to pray that it, uh, it's going to rain. I thought he didn't want it to. He doesn't, but now he's going to pray that it will. Look at his prayer Elijah said to Ahab, you know, we've had a big victory here for God Almighty Jehovah today. He says, Elijah now says to Ahab, go eat and drink for there is the sound of a heavy rain. Ahab went off to eat and drink and Elijah climbed on the top of Mount Carmel there, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees and praying so hard and says, please let it rain. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. So his servant runs and looks and comes back and he went up and he looked. Sorry, there's no rain. Elijah said, uh, let me keep praying. He prays harder and tells his servant to go look. And his servant runs. It would be like you pulling back the curtain going, no. Pray harder. Servant opens it up. The second time, nothing, nothing, nothing. How many times does he do this? He squeezed a boy three times. Guess how many times he prays. Seven. Seven is the number of perfection. And the sixth time, check the window, nothing. God, I just give up. I just, No, no, don't give up. God, I'm going to pray. God Almighty, you've got to show us yourself. You've got to just take over this. You've got to give us rain. Whew. I bet he's drained. I mean, it's just like sweat's running off his face. Check the window. His servant goes, wait, wait. I, I see a cloud. It's the size of a man's fist. Wow. That'll just really pour down on it. A cloud that big? Man, it ought to rain for about 10 seconds. Elijah goes back over, drained. Feels like he's dug a ditch with a spoon out of the kitchen and going. <sighs> fist. The seventh time the servant replied, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Okay, go until Ahab, hit your chariot, and go down before the rain stops you. It's going to be pouring down in a minute. Well, you got a lot of faith. It's going to change from this to this to whoo, thunderstorm. That's what Elijah says. Meanwhile, the sky began to grow black with clouds. It's changed from this to this to the whole sky. Woo. It changes black with clouds. The wind started rising up. A heavy rain starting to come down. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Here comes the rain coming down. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah. Now, I think it came upon him two ways. It came upon him to be a mighty servant. But watch this. The last verse. It's just neat how God just puts things in like this in the Bible. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah. And Elijah, tucking his cloak, it would be like you, if you'd have a long gown on a dress, girls, you'd pull up the dress and go like this, so you can run better. Back in Bible times, we had the long robe; you'd pull it up. Elijah tucks his cloak so he can just take off running. How fast is he running? Well, look at this: power of the Lord came upon Elijah. Tucked his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, I don't know, but I looked up in one of my little studies here. From there to Jezreel's thirteen miles. Elijah outruns him. What's he doing back here? Is King Ahab, how's he getting there? What's his mode of transportation? Chariot? You outran a horse? First. I beat you that day. Bring me on again. You outran a horse? I need you in the Olympics. Go up the, you're on, buddy. Let's go. How long is it doing to be this time? Two miles, 13, it doesn't matter. I'll outrun you. You're outrunning a horse? He ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Maybe he knew a shortcut. All I know is there's about 13 miles. He outran a horse from mountaintop down to the valley. Comes back out. And Elijah ends it. By the end of that day, Ahab knew there was a God. And knew it was a powerful God. Knew it could turn on the water and turn off the water anytime he wanted to. Elijah had been stretched to heal a little boy. Elijah had been stretched to call down and watch this. And Elijah had been stretched to call. it. So now from rain, drought, to pouring down rain. All that story was today. Living proof that God exists. Living proof that God uses people to carry out His will. Pray with me. Through Jesus today, we might see a pouring down rainstorm. I pray that we'd think of this Bible story. pray that we'd think back to know that you turn the water off and on in heaven. And sometimes, Jesus, you hear the prayers of us. I'm reminded what the psalmist wrote. Who is man that thou art even mindful of him? Why do you even use this? You could use the angels of heaven. But then again, I'm also reminded that the angels can't tell the salvation experience. They've never been saved. I have. Of course, I wasn't there at creation. They were. So, Lord, we can trade stories once we get to heaven. But, Lord, until I get there, I pray that you'd use me. I pray that we'd all desire to be men of God or women of God. I pray that we could just be counted on. We may not raise a little boy from death to life, but, Lord, we can be called on to do things that be servants. And Elijah did that. Lord, from the drought to when it poured down in this story, A lot of the details of that story just sort of surprised me. You you used Elijah all because he was willing. Lord, you got an agenda for us when I start off saying that today. you got an agenda for us today, and it's to become more like you. Elijah became more like you, and when he was like you, he did great things. That's my simple prayer for us today. Lord, help us to do great things today, all because we're more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.